0: Glory to God. All right, today we are talking again, say this with me, it's time time for an awakening. awakening. It's time time for an awakening. awakening. Now before we go into that, I want you to do, do you know, I want you to do something with me. Do you know that your expectation has everything to do with what you'll get this morning? If you're not expecting anything, you probably won't get that much. Yeah. You might get a little bit of overflow. But if you're not saying, Lord, I'm going to get something today. Yeah. If, you're, if that's not in your heart, then your expectation's not going to be met on yeah. that level. But if you get in that place, yeah. if you'll say, no, I'm getting something today. I'm getting the answers that I need today. Yeah. God meets that. Yeah. God meets that. One time, uh, we had a ladies' conference, and one of, uh, one of the guys hung around. He said, hey, I just want to see what they're talking about. I'm interested in what they I know it's a ladies' conference, but they're talking Bible. I'm going to get something. In the middle of that meeting, do you remember this? In the middle of that meeting, the speaker, the lady who's speaking, uh, she stopped, said, you know what? I don't know why I'm talking about this, but the Lord just told me to talk about this for about five minutes and went through this thing, kind of broke what she was talking about, and then went through that. At the end of the meeting, the guy came up to me and said, I've been asking God that question for years. See, when he had expectation that God would get something to him, God paused the whole service and got something right to him, just for him, the dude at the women's conference expectation has everything to do Uh, some of y'all have heard of Joel Osteen but uh, you may not have heard of his dad John Osteen you know Joel will get up in the middle of his service and he'll say this is my Bible right but his dad is the one who actually started that and I've got what they say right here and I want us this is expectation in Romans chapter 10 verse 9 and 10 it says you come into Christianity By confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart. So before we even start this service, we're going to confess. We're going to stand to our feet. You can go ahead and do it. Grab your Bible. We're going to stand to our feet, grab our Bible, and we're going to believe in our heart and expect some things. And just say this with me. Say, this is is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can, do what it says I, can do. I can do what it
1: says I can do.
0: Today I'll be taught the Word of God. Today I'll be taught the word of God. You better believe it. I will boldly confess. I will boldly confess. My mind is alert. My, mind is alert. My, heart is My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I will never be the same. I'm, about to I'm about to receive the incorruptible, the incorruptible indestructible, the indestructible ever-living seed, living seed. Of, the word of, God. of the Word of God. I will never be the same. I will never, be the same. Never, never, never. never, never, never. I will never be the same, I will never be the same. in Jesus name. Jesus' name. If you believe that, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen, that sounded awesome. Man, y'all got me expecting now. Something's going to happen. Woo. Amen, you may be seated. Hallelujah. Romans 13, verse 11 and 12. Say it with me again. It's time for an awakening. Now let's say it with expectation. It's time for an awakening. Amen. Romans 13, verse 11 and 12 says, Do this knowing the time." In other words, because we're aware of what time it is, because we're aware of this, it says, do this being aware of the time. Yeah. Do this, knowing the time, that it is already the hour to awaken from sleep. Yeah. Now you realize this is the Apostle Paul talking to the Romans, talking, talking to this, this group of believers. And he's saying, It's already time to awaken. Well, that would put it well past time for us to be awake. Say it with me. It's well past time for me to be awake. awake. If you're watching online, drop it in the comments. It's well past time for me to be awake. It's already the hour to awaken from sleep. For now, salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone. The day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness And put on the armor of light. We've got to lay aside our flesh. Lay aside the deeds that we've been taught by a corrupted world. And put on the actions of God. Put on the words and the actions of Jesus Christ. It's time to lay aside wrong thinking. It's time to lay aside wrong speaking. It's time to lay aside a lack of fellowship with God. It's time to lay it aside. It's time to wake up. Ephesians 5.14, it says, For this reason, it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Christ will shine on you. If we'll wake up, and we'll put on Christ. Christ will shine on you. This is a promise. Do you know what that means, if Christ shines on you? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. oh, it's good. Yeah. It's good stuff. Christ shines on you, everything works. Right. Amen. Christ shines on you, people that don't even necessarily like you give you favor. When Christ shines on you, the dead come back to life. The sick get healed. Yeah. Protection is over your house. Your family is blessed. Jobs, they just fall into your hand. Customers like you. (laughs) Lord Jesus, awaken our hearts today. It's time for an awakening. Now, many of you have heard this story, but it's been so long since we've been in this series. The Lord really gave us some Holy Ghost messages in the last few weeks. But I want you to hear this again. You know, earlier this year, the Lord gave me an opportunity to go over to Israel and tour. And it was amazing. It was great. I was back here for a couple weeks. And then I headed over to Africa for a month. The Lord had told me to go. And so we went to Gabon, Africa. went to Nigeria. And uh, as I was over there, it has a great, great, great thing. Over 1,300 commitments to Christ just on that trip. Uh, we empowered uh, believers. We ordained ministers. We saw instantaneous healings. All kinds of great stuff through, you know, through your pastor. It's not some, some other guy. Yeah. You're connected yeah. and you're covered yeah. with an anointing Amen. by being here. Amen. And it's important to recognize that stuff. God's moving yeah. and he'll move through you the way he moves yeah. through me. We may have different giftings, but he'll move in power through everyone that's hearing this if you want it. Got back from Africa that morning I was coming to preach the Sunday morning after I got back. As I woke up that morning and I was waking up, I heard the Lord speak to me in a booming voice on the inside. It's time for an awakening. And I was like, whew. I immediately I got up I pulled out my phone and I wrote it down wrote down what time it was and everything it's time for an awakening and then I got in here to preach the message and I don't remember what the message was exactly but what got preached was it's time for an awakening that's what came out because that was what was spiritually there well then you know I've been gone for a month and I had messages stack up on me so I'm clearing my messages I'm going through all my messages And a month and a half while I was preparing to go, a month and two weeks before that, Barrett had sent me a summary of prayer that morning. And so I want you to tell them what you saw again. So remember, I wake up on Sunday morning and I hear, IT'S TIME! And it's like if I could draw it out, you know, if I could write out those letters, uh, TIME was in all caps. Like it was, IT'S TIME, that was the emphasis. And so then I'm listening to this message and I hear her tell me this summary of prayer of a vision she saw. And uh, so I'm fresh with this. It's time for an awakening. And then she, I hear this.
1: I saw a picture I saw the world, it was Jesus and I looking at it, and at the top of the earth, there was this egg-looking thing, and it cracked, and when it cracked, this dark substance covered the top of the earth, and it went all the way down to the bottom, completely dark and thick. And the moment that darkness covered the entirety... Okay.
0: woo. yep, yep, no, you're good. <laughs> I want you to understand, this is before coronavirus started getting the publicity. This is before the lockdown. This is a month and a half. This is a month and a half uh, before. It's two weeks before I left for Africa. So this is January that this is in. So nothing was going on the way we've seen it since then. All right. She saw darkness covering the whole earth. Go ahead.
1: And the moment that darkness covered the entirety of the earth, I saw Jesus take one match and he lit it. And this one match, he threw it into what looked to be the eastern seaboard of the United States. And the moment that the match touched the earth, the entire earth went (laughs) up in flames. The entire earth was covered in fire. And then I saw the Lord standing up on his throne and he said, It's time.
0: Amen, so two days after I'd received that that word from the Lord, and then I listened to this that she had gotten a month before that, I think it was the Lord's timing that I hadn't heard it. Because it wouldn't have meant the same thing then as it did now after he had spoke to me. Now he's got confirmation. And I realize we need to talk about an awakening. And so as we talked about an awakening, it's interesting to have a revival. You know, not too long ago somebody was telling me about a revival that they had that ran for six weeks. That's a great revival. Most, most people, when they say revival, they'll have a week of meetings. But a revival is when it's like it takes on a life of its own. And let me tell you something, running something for that period of time, six weeks may not seem like a long time, but when you're dealing with people that are coming every single night and think about this, whose heart is ready to go to church every single night in this world we live in today, right? right? So that's no small feat in itself. Then you look at like Brownsville revival, which lasted for five years, right? Five years. That, you're talking about something. But anyway, this this guy told me about this revival that lasted six weeks. It was awesome. I was like, praise God. Man, what a move. I'd love to have a revival that people were so hungry that they were ready to come. And they were ready to have God just completely change their lives. What a precious moment in time that will be. And then look at it in terms of eternity. Uh, Five or six weeks versus eternity, that's nothing. It's nothing. But yet, here's the thing. There's a difference between a revival and an awakening. And the word that God said, he didn't say it's time for revival. He said it's time for an awakening. And when you start to study out awakenings, you see that the whole society changes. There's some awakenings that they had. Across time, two great awakenings, one about 100 years ago and one about 200 years ago. One was right before uh, we founded this country. It was part of what this country was founded on was the awakening revival that came forth in this country. The other one was right before the Civil War. And I want you to see something, too, that when you have a great move of God, don't think that the devil's just going to sit back and go, well, I guess I can't do anything right now. No, he tries to come against it and kill it as soon as he he can. He tries to come against it and kill it. Let me tell you, how many people have thought about it's time for an awakening every every day since I preached the first message? Me either. And I'm the one preaching it. So see, what the devil does is he tries to get in there and he tries to, let's just settle this down a little bit. Let's, let's, Let's simmer it. Let's cut off the gas. Let, let, let's, let's let it cool down some. And so he does it. He does that with the great awakenings. He does it when we're just seeking to go after him. How many people are hungry for an awakening of God? Yeah. When, when these awakenings happen, it's recorded in history that the bar is shut down and closed because nobody was interested in drinking they had they had their sports that they would have a national contest it'd kind of be like their super bowl shut down for like three years three years no no super bowl because nobody was interested they were interested in god Now you're talking about a shift of culture so when God says, it's time for an awakening, we're not talking about just having a, a nice set of meetings in Albemarle. Right. We're talking about a world-shaking, world-shifting, everybody-goes-back-to-God moment yeah. where prayer is in the schools, yeah. where, things, where the things of God are not look like, like they're crazy, but no, they're actually celebrated. Because people come alive and they're awake. And what are the signs of an awakening? One is the people become hungry for the things of God without somebody trying to hype them up. They're, They're hungry for They put on hunger. They also, they bear fruit. They win souls. They move into intimacy with God. They win souls. They carry power. They're walking in revelation. And they have the fruit of the Spirit. They're forgiving, they're loving, they're gentle, they're moving in the things of God. They have the fruit. This is the fruit of God. The fruit of God in the lives of people is a symptom of an awakening. You know, and I said this several weeks ago while we were out in the parking lot. I said, the truth is, if every person, if you ever see polls done... You'll see a lot of people think that they're Christian, but very few are actually talking to anybody about it. And the ones that actually will talk about their Christianity are called evangelical in the polls. They they want to at least tell somebody about their experience with Jesus. I've found that these are the people that when they've worked out their salvation, they feel the most secure about their salvation. They want to talk to somebody about Jesus, evangelicals. This is somebody who's talking about winning souls, who's talking about doing stuff for God, not just living their own life, right? This is, this is some of the symptoms of that. All the evangelicals, there's, there's about, um, what is it? Six hundred? It's over 650 million evangelicals in the world. And I said this, if every evangelical... Every person who says that they're born again and loves Jesus, all they did is they won one soul each day. In 14 days, the whole population of the earth would be won to the Lord. What are we waiting on? What are we waiting on? And so here's my point. You can see we haven't been awake. If it's that easy, we haven't been awake. We haven't been awake. No matter how we look at it, we haven't been awake. It's time for an awakening. I want to give you something today. this present shaking. Has anybody felt like Has anybody felt like 2020 was like, "Holy cow!" <laughs> like, just stop already." Oh my goodness!" Like, can you imagine the memes in years to come, like, don't go 2020 on me? Like like I've had enough. Hey, Dustin starts a gun business right before all this happens. Good call, Dustin. Good call. Good call I, I don't have to ask whether or not you've been doing well. I don't have to ask. I know. It's been crazy. Yeah. There's been a shaking, yeah. a shaking at the roots, a shaking at the foundation. When you start seeing people just completely flip out like they're possessed by demons on TV, right, right. I mean, I remember the I remember the video of of the the young lady. I, lady is. I'm um, being nice. Just screaming at the top of her voice. Ah! ah Like I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Something's been shaken yeah. loose. Something has been shook. Yeah. Things are coming loose.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, God prophesied it.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: God talked about it. Yeah. And this is hey, here, let me let me tell you something. Have you ever uh, you ever had something that's rusty that has to get fixed? If you ever have something, or or let's say that you have a you have a, a screw and a bolt that's rusted together. Sometimes you got to tap on that thing to break it loose. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes with that rust, you ever got like a pipe and it's got rust on the inside or something. And you'll you know you can you know, clean it and everything, but you'll tap that thing. You'll shake it. You'll get all that corrosive material out of there as much as you can. you got to shake it loose. you got to do what you can to get the corrosiveness out. If you go to rusting, the word says that this is a corrupted world. If you want to have an awakening, then you've got to get the corrosive material out of its place, and then you must cover it with a glory yeah. that will keep it out. You must seal it with some base, some oil, sometimes, to keep it out. But sometimes you got to do some scrubbing to get down in there. You know, you talk about people that wreck on like a motorcycle and they got road rash and I don't know what it's called, but they get all gravel embedded in their skin. What do they have to do, Deb, scrub it out, scour it out, scour it out. Why? now listen do you think that's painful she said scour it out with all the soap oh I know this, isn't this what you came to church to hear how do you think it makes that person feel in that moment Y'all are, I'm glad you're sitting down I can see queasiness right now <laughs> yeah. now watch why though because if, that, if you don't get it clean, the whole body can get infected from that one thing. You've got to root it out. You've got to shake it loose. You've got to do what you have to do to get that infection out. The Lord prophesied there's going to be a shaking. But here's the thing. See, a shaking scares everybody who can be shaken. If you're a part of the rust and the corruption, you can be scared. But if you're the real deal in Christ, it doesn't bother you. No, things are being handled. I cannot be moved I'm in Christ we're abiding in Christ and he abides in us I'm on a foundation that's secure I'm on the foundation of God's love of a father who loves me with an everlasting love I have a foundation of a savior who gave his life for me so that I don't have to give my life up I don't have to give my business up I don't have to give my welfare up and even if the government or society tried to take it he'll give it right back to me better than it ever was before Because I'm on a foundation that can't be shaken. Yes, amen. Now, people, they'll grab a hold of this and then they'll just say, Lord, I'm going after you with everything I have. They actually, see, it's good to be in. Christ, but it's a it's a better thing to not just live a life in Christ and always sacrificing, but to be obedient with Him. It, see, in Christ, He I get through and it can be okay. But if I'll be obedient and I'll do what I need to do as a believer, what the Bible says, all of a sudden the blessings of God start to pile up in my life. And I may have to break through some stuff in me, like some fleshly areas in myself. But as I give myself, God says, I am a reward order of them that diligently seek me so you can go into even a crazy year like 2020 and it won't be 2020 to you you'll have the peace of the storm in the middle of the storm you'll be sleeping you'll be in peace you'll be in rest why because there's about to become a peace because the shaking and the awakening that's needed is going to bring the manifestation of God's love in your life. Yeah. No matter what you see, no matter how you feel, God can do it. Yeah. And he will, for those that will reach for him, take him by the hand. Thanks be unto Christ. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Thanks be unto unto Christ. Thanks be unto God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ. He always the question is: Am I letting him lead me? Because if anything. That has been proven. Do you know how many 401ks were lost this year? I mean, the market took a dive. All this that people, listen, people lived, and I hate this, but I want you to see something. People lived and worked and sweat and bled for 30 and 40 years, and everything they gained was lost in a week. How solid was what they thought? No, it can be shaken, it's temporal, it's temporary. But in God, in God, he can bring it back. He can supply it, he can multiply it. The question is, are we living by the world's ways or are we living by these ways? Which one are we living by? I want you to see this. I read this to you a while back, I just want you to hear it again. When Smith Wigglesworth prophesied, This is the basis of what he said. There's a revival coming that the present world knows nothing about. It will come through the churches. It will come in a fresh way. When you see what God does in this revival, you will then have to admit that all you've seen previously is a mere nothing in comparison with what is to come. It will eclipse anything that has been known in history. Empty churches, empty cathedrals will be packed again with worshipers. Buildings will not be able to accommodate the multitudes. Then you will see fields of people worshiping and praising together. The Lord intends to use you in this revival for you have been in Jerusalem long enough. The Lord will send you to the uttermost parts of the earth. If you are faithful and humble, the Lord will use you. And if you remain faithful and humble, you will see the greatest events in church history. Then a young man in New Zealand said said this uh, to Smith Wigglesworth a little bit later. Smith, one is tempted to envy you when you've had such great success. Now if you don't know who Smith Wigglesworth is... He's a man that at the time, I would say he was not very praised. He was bold. He was, uh, some people would call him rude, but he was rude to the devil. But people didn't understand that. They didn't see what he was attacking. And so, but he saw people raised up from the dead. One story is at a funeral, he went up there, he took the dude out of the coffin. Can you imagine the families? Oh, they got my daddy. Put him down, Smith. Smith. Grabbed him, threw him up against the wall. Said, Live! Let him go. Falls down. My understanding is he did that seven times. On the, like the seventh time, the man goes and comes back to life. Well, then, how's the funeral then? It's not a funeral anymore. Right. So, which was better, the feelings of the family or the life that got brought back? This is the kind of man that he was. He did great thing. And so this guy's saying, you, you know, I, I'm tempted to envy you, Smith, for your success that you've had in going after God. And here's what he told the man. Young man, it is the other way around. I feel like envying you. I've had three visions in my life, three only. But the first two have already come to pass. But the third is yet to be fulfilled. I will most likely pass on to my reward. But you are a young man and will most likely be in what I saw. He burst out. Oh, it was amazing. Oh, he said, I cannot tell God's secrets. But you remember what I say. This revival we have had is nothing to what God is yet going to do. The one to whom Brother Wigglesworth addressed these words commented, it was quite evident that the evangelist had a special vision granted him of the coming outpouring of the Spirit in an unprecedented effusion in the days just before the Lord comes to snatch away the church. I'll tell you we're in those days. Yes. Jesus could come any time now. Yes. He is coming soon, yeah. soon, 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 sooner now than it's ever been. He's coming soon. This is a message the Bible tells us to preach. You don't even hardly hear it that much except when in doomsday scenarios, I'm not talking about doomsday, I'm talking about a hope. Jesus is coming soon. Yeah. Yeah. A couple years ago, a Greek scholar was doing a teaching on, on the verses that says in the last days, and where it says men will be lovers of self, and it goes on to give all of these. He was breaking down each one of those, what they actually meant, what they actually, and I, there's about seven or eight things, and I was sitting there going, that's today, that's today, that's today, that's today, that's right now, we're not waiting on that, we're in it. And that that word is not just last days. You understand, the last days started 2,000 years ago at Pentecost. That word, if you look at it in the Greek in in that session... In that part of Scripture, it says it really means the last of the last days. We are in the final act. This is the finale, and we're in it. And that's why there's a shaking, because there's got to be the corruption broken loose so that the glory of God can come into the earth and bring a harvest of souls, bring an awakening to the people. Why? Because God needs a church that's in her glory. Yes. Not a church who's asleep. What you're finding out right now is. People are determining. Am I going to be a church that's awakened. For Christ. Or am I going to be a church asleep. Without any. Symptoms. Of being awake. Let Let me just read this to you. This is. Just in Ephesians 4, verse 11. And I want want you to see this. It's time for an awakening. And then I'm going to give you a word that the Lord gave me in 2006. I'm going to cover it. I want you to hear this. So, this is Ephesians 4 and verse 11. It says, now, if you back up a couple of verses, it says, And when Christ ascended on high, he gave gifts to men. And then in verse 11, it describes those gifts. And it's people. People are a gift. And these are the gifts that the Holy Spirit says. Verse 11. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. That's known as the five-fold ministry. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And these are the gifts that the Holy Spirit said. And he says, these gifts are for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. So these gifts will equip saints for the work of service. Build up the body of Christ until, they're going to keep doing this, until we attain to the unity of the faith yeah. and until we attain to the knowledge of the Son of God. Do you... You realize we will have knowledge of the Son of God like we should. This is what apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are in place for, is to bring us up. This is the plan of God. And then watch this. To bring, until we come up to the body of Christ, a mature man. A mature, and listen, this is not you or me saying this is mature. This is the Holy Ghost saying that you can come up to my level of maturity, what I call mature. And he says, to a maturity which belongs, uh, or excuse me, a maturity to the measure of the stature, in other words, measured up to this level, the fullness of Christ. So the body of Christ is supposed to come up to a level where they look, think, act, talk, just like Jesus. And where's this at today? You'll see brief glimpses of it, but would you agree with me, we need an awakening. Because we've not, if we would see, you know, if we would see the body looking like Jesus, this world would look different like that. Just like that. And that's what's happening. It's an awakening that's going on. It's an awakening. It's a sifting out. You know, in California right now, the governor just made a rule. You can't sing and worship in church. You're going to find out, yeah, they just made a rule this week. You can't sing and worship in church. You're going to find out real quick who actually believes this Bible and who doesn't. He says, our job is to worship him. We should worship him. We're commanded to worship. Yeah. He says, look, if you don't, these rocks will cry out. There's a song, "Won't no rocks will cry out around me because I'll be worshiping. That's right. I'll be worshiping. There's all kinds. Co- What's happening right now? There's a sifting. There's a filtering. Who believes this thing and who does it? Yeah, yeah. Who believes that we should be assembled and who does it? We've stood on the right side of that from the beginning, according to the word. We tried to comply with what they said, but we have a responsibility and a commandment to assemble. And it's the assembled church that the gates of hell won't prevail against. I yes. want you to know. I want you to know. Now for a while we assembled in the parking lot. But we still assemble. Yes. Yes. We, every week yes. we assembled. Great. Why? Why? Because God told us to. Yes. And either he's Lord or the news is. Right. And the news ain't my Lord. Right. It's not our Lord. Let me show you something too. You realize the lockdown... Was it for about two months? What happened during it? The majority of churches did not assemble. The promise in Matthew says this, that the assembly of the church, this church, this church that's assembled, the gates of hell won't prevail. As soon as you took away the assembly, what happened? The gates of hell was released. Ain't that right? Why? Look how quickly it happened. Can you imagine? See, now think about this. The Christians are the linchpin of the age. They're the salt, the preserving factor. Imagine when you take them all out in the blink of an eye in the rapture. What's it going to be like? Anybody want to be here when that happens? Uh Uh-uh. Oh gracious. I mean, most people are afraid even to pray over their meal today in America. What happens when you take out the salt out of the whole earth? This has just been when we stopped assembling for a couple months. What happens when you take the salt out of the earth? How quickly it will degrade. What we're doing is a lot bigger than what our plans have been. What, you know, all these dreams that the TV gave us and all these, you know, romantic uh, thinking ideas of this life and that life and and the boat and the vacation and all this kind of stuff and and all this in retirement, all this stuff, all that stuff was not necessarily God. And although God doesn't mind you having anything, he doesn't want anything to have you. He doesn't mind you having any of that. Matter of fact, he wants to bless you. But if that retirement, if that house, if that is your why, and it's not the eternal things of God, you've got something flipped upside down. Right now, there's nothing more important than us going after God with everything we have. And right now, I told you, I've been preaching this for years now. You're about to see a filtering. And you're going to find out who believes and who doesn't. Well, we're in it now. We're in it. I've been preaching that for years. We're in it right now. Yep. Have you not heard me say that? It's going. We're going to find out who believes God and who's going after him and who's not. Well, we're in it now. Yep. What I want you to see is... He says here in Ephesians 4, God has a plan for his church. And the plan for his church is not to be watered down. The plan for his church is to be along this measure, this maturity, the fullness of Jesus Christ. The fullness of Jesus Christ. And if we're not there yet, then it's our job to go after him like we've never had before. He goes on to say in the next next chapter, in Ephesians chapter 5, he says that this body needs to be like a wife in all of her glory, a bride, in all of her glory, a bride of Christ. Hear this, that he might present to himself the church as a bride in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle, Or any such thing. But that she would be holy and blameless. That's Ephesians 5.27. Would you say that the church up to this point has been in all of her glory? A glorious church. Without spottering. No way. The world would look different. You wouldn't see empty chairs in churches. And it's not Jesus' fault. Jesus has done everything he needs to do. It's ours. Yeah. So now's the question. Are we going to hit the snooze button? No. Or are we going to wake up? Yeah. This is the plan of God. He's trying to get us to this place. Now let's go quickly to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 25. Hebrews 12, 25. I want you to see this. Hebrews 12, 25 says this. It says, See to it. So he's commanding us to do something to the church. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those who did not escape when they refused him, who warned them on earth, much less will we escape who turn away from him, who warns us from heaven. In other words, God gave a a word of warning to, to a man, to a preacher. And he said, look. And they didn't escape. They didn't listen to it, and they didn't escape. He said, look, God's given us a word now, and he's warning us, it's time to wake up. This is not only a promise, but it's also a warning. It's also a commandment. It's time for an awakening. The question is, which people are going to say, I'll take that word. I'll take it. I'm waking up. I'm going to do what it Take. I'm waking up. Amen. Who's going to take that word? Me. Amen. I like it. Verse 26. Hear this. Hear this. Hear this. And his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised, saying, "Yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven." That means I'm shaking everything in the earth. I'm shaking all the heavens, the principalities and powers. See, what you're seeing is a big shaking of all these principalities and powers, the spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, They're shaking. They know their time is drawing to a close. And God's saying, I'm not going to leave it like this. I'm going to shake all the rust out. I'm going to shake all the corruption out. And I'm going to get it to the place where I can coat the church with my glory, a glorious church and when that glorious church rises up there'll be a harvest of souls there'll be a harvest like the world has never seen that Smith Wigglesworth prophesied about verse 7, 27 this expression yet once more denotes hear this the removing of those things which can be shaken the removing of the things which can be shaken See, you may not realize this right now, but remember this. Please hear me when I say this. There's always more going on than what you can see. There's always more going on than what you can see. There's things being removed right now that the world has no idea. I'm talking about vile wickedness in high places in people. There's people getting put in jail. There's people being uh, given charges. There's people trying to kill other people to keep their testimony from coming out. vile, vile things are being put away, and the Lord is shaking it up. The Lord is shaking because if it can be removed, if it can be removed and shaken out, God's shaking and getting removing the rust. But say this with me: hey, We're not a people in Christ that can be shaken. You're on a firm foundation. You can't be shaken because you're in Christ. You can't be shaken. So when all the shaking of the world goes on, you can walk with confidence. And people may say, well, you're just being stupid. You're just being unrealistic. No, I'm being the most realistic I can be. I'm in somebody that can't be shaken. I'm in somebody. And this shaking needs to happen to get rid of all the junk, all the stuff that can be shaken out because the things that can't be shaken won't. And I'm in that, in Jesus. Amen. I won't be shaken. I have him as a foundation. I have him as a surety. Yes. The removing of things which can be shaken, as of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Say, that's me. That's me. I'm in Christ. I am. And I'll stay in him, and I will stay in him by, choice.
1: by choice,
0: in love, in love. and he can't, he can't be shaken. So I have a confidence, I have an expectation. And expectation to go through, to go through. The, valley the, the valley of the shadow of death. And I'll fear no evil because no I'm with the one that can't be shaken. That's all that glory to God. 28, therefore... Since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken. You see that? See his kingdom. The domain of the king can't be shaken. The domain of the world can. The domain of worldly finances can be shaken. But if I've got seed in the heavens in a spiritual account where moth and rust can't destroy. I can receive back a harvest just like that. It can't be shaken. There's no corruption there. Let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. hear this. Since we have a kingdom that can't be shaken, since we have a kingdom that can't be shaken, since we have a kingdom and a king that can't be shaken, let us serve him with reverence. See, it's part of what's missing in the world. We've not reverenced God. We've not been in awe of Him at all. We've just been going through, yeah, God's with me. Yeah. We've had no reverence of all. It's part of what accompanies a glorious church is when, Lord, you're so awesome. You're so awesome. I love you, Lord. You're so awesome. Oh, I praise you. I give you all of the glory, reverence and awe. And see, if you're in reverence and awe of the king and his kingdom, then what happens is you'll be in reverence of all of everything he commands us to do as well. Win souls. Spend time with him. Be in the word, in prayer, in worship. Study to show yourself approved. Don't forsake the assembling of the saints. See if we'll do those things, we'll walk around as an unshakable people. But if we won't do those things, we can be shaken. Right. Back in two thousand and six, I was at church, and uh, we were at we were at church before we started Boomerang. So this is fourteen years ago, come October, and that I could feel the presence of God come on me, and I knew this was something different. I'd never received anything like this, but I could tell something. Something was about to happen, and I wasn't sure what. I told Nicole, my wife, I said, I said, go get a piece of paper and just write down whatever I say, because I don't know what's about to happen. Just be prepared. Amen. So she did, and the Lord moved on me, and he gave me a word, and I'm going to read this to you. And I'm going to read, because after I got the word, as I was given the word, I had a sense about what it meant. And, and honestly, I, I didn't, I, I thought that the word was for right then. And in a sense, it was, but it really wasn't. I realize now, this word was for right now. It's very clear now. But without being able to see everything, seeing through glass darkly, I, I knew that we were heading into it. I thought we were more in it. But now, looking at everything, it's obvious that wasn't the time. That was the beginnings of Heading to here, but now we're here. I want you to hear this. Those things which cannot be shaken. The foundation of the church is starting to shake. Now just, some people may catch this. The foundation of the church, of course, is Christ. So we're not just talking about Christ. What What he meant by this is the foundation of our thinking of church. The foundation of a religious church. Of a religious church one that's moving in religion not in love the foundation of the church is starting to shake the body of Christ is about to be shaken unfertile soil is being sifted only fertile soil will remain purpose yourself to be fertile in other words to produce You are a temple, a living temple. You are living stones meant to grow together and not to be dead. It is to be life. Show life. Shine life. In your life, magnify the power of Jesus, His love and His grace. A living temple. Be fertile. Cast out all that is dead in you personally and corporately, the foundation is about to be shaken don 't be sifted. Stone will crack as the anointing enters from heaven and that was it and so i 'm just going to read this to you. You can go actually and find this on the website right now if you look at the blogs it 's called those things and What we're talking about today is this present shaking. And I just want to read this to you, what the Lord gave to me about this. It says, this word came to me before our Sunday service in October. Hear this word, and and I've got all these in, in here. There's a whole pages of notes where it refers to different scriptures. I'm not going to read every scripture, but there's a lot of scripture that's involved in this. But I want you to hear this. Hear this word for yourself. This is a charge to the church. And specifically, if ever there was a charge, it's a charge to today's church that's right in the middle of this present shaking. Hear this for yourself. Let it hit you at the core. Let your heart be and change to where it needs to be and change to. This word came to me before our Sunday service in October 2006. At the time, I had no idea what the word was about. Since then, it has not only remained in my spirit, but God has kept its fire burning in me and kept me in prayer over it. Later, I knew in my spirit that this shaking that had begun would change the world as we know it. This would also change the body of Christ into a church that present times have not known before. A mature church where people stop looking to men and look only to the man, Jesus. The foundation of the church is starting to shake. The body of Christ is about to be shaken Many of you have felt the shifting that is going on. Many of you have talked to or contacted me speaking of the major changes on the horizon that you sensed in the Spirit or that were already occurring in and around your lives. Many of you have been wondering, what is this stirring I feel? Why does my life seem like it's turning upside down and inside out? What is God doing? What is going on? God gave me this example. Imagine the church... As a car engine, God is disassembling the engine piece by piece and then putting it back together in a different configuration. This new engine will be stronger, more efficient, and produce more power. The fuel to be used in this new engine is the love of God. Love is the only fuel that will work in the new engine. The old engine would run on an assortment of fuels, assortment of fuels, even dirty and unpurified ones. But love is the only fuel that this new engine and church will run on. This is the church that is to fulfill the will and purpose of God in this time. We have the opportunity to love God back and to be right in the middle of God's will and to produce for our king. Hallelujah. I want you to see, there's a lot of churches that are open today, or have been open, not the last couple of months, that they weren't running on the love of God. They were running on business, not love. It's not going to work anymore. And you can see it's not working, even as we speak. Unfertile soil is being sifted. Only fertile soil will remain. Cast out all that is dead in you personally, and corporately. That fertile soil is love. Only love will remain. We must make sure that we remove anything from our lives that isn't founded in love. Anything that is not set on the foundation of love is dead and will not stand. These are the flesh pieces that need removing from us. These chunks of selfish motivations in our lives cannot stand in this new era. We must recognize that God did not place these chunks, these areas in our lives, but it was us paying homage to our flesh and worldly desires that allowed these things to be so firmly rooted into our being. As this shift occurs, this shaking occurs, these worldly roots must be removed so we can either tell our flesh no and judge ourselves or leave God no choice but to remove them for us so that we can remain relevant in the kingdom of God. Did you hear that? Either we deal with it or we leave God no choice but to remove it. Because he wants you to be relevant in the kingdom. But you won't be if we keep leaving these fleshly roots in, in ourselves. And let me tell you. You might not think that's important now. But in eternity you will. You'll think, my God, why did I ever give any attention to the flesh, when I had a moment to sow into eternity. Oh, it'll be very important. The whole body of Christ is made up of ministers. If you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, you are a minister of the gospel everywhere you go. In church, you are a minister. In the grocery store, you are a minister. At home, in the car, at work, at play. Your life is is a ministry of Jesus Christ. If you are in five-fold ministry, I'm talking about you too. Hear this. Hear this. We must not lead ministry inside church walls and just perform ministries on Sundays and Wednesdays on a platform. We must make absolutely sure that every action and thought is founded in love and not founded in personal motivations. That's why if you're on the salvation line where we track the salvations, and you should be on that, it's on on Voxer, celebrate those salvations. You'll see on there, I'm not just posting salvations that I win on Sunday morning from a platform. You'll find me out in the world leading people to Jesus because I'm a minister on other days besides Sunday. I'm a Christian on other days besides Sunday. This is, that's what love does. It says, let me tell you, this is, this is my ministry of reconciliation. Let me tell you how God has made you right with Him, how He loves you, He's got a great plan for your life, and He's at peace with the world through Jesus Christ. If you're in the five-fold ministry, I'm talking about you too. We must not lead ministry inside church walls and just perform ministry on Sundays and Wednesdays. We must make absolutely sure that every action and thought is founded in love and not in our personal motivations. We must weigh our motivations against the Word, not against others' level of righteousness. So many times what we'll do is we'll look at somebody and say, oh, well, they're not as righteous as me, so I'm doing good. No, forget about that. We've got to go to that word and say, am I walking righteous according to that? Because yeah. the best person on this earth is not as righteous as that. And if we get, judge ourselves on the curve of people around us, we're always going to be messed up. Our love walk or lack thereof is not something that will be graded on a curve according to others around us. I forgot that part was in there. It seems like I just said that. Corporately and personally, we need to examine every motivation according to the word with extreme, genuine examination. Quick thoughts of, oh, I'm fine. And a lack of genuine self-judgment will not pass unaffected through this shaking and shifting. Will not pass. As far as the five, hear this, listen to this. As far as the fivefold ministry is concerned, don't be surprised. If you see pastors and teachers, prophets, evangelists, and apostles being removed and shifted to new places in the body. This is going to happen. For example, some true apostles will be removed from their incorrect placements as pastors and be placed into their true role. Some pastors operating out of their office as evangelists and prophets will be moved into their true role as an evangelist or prophet. Some will be removed. You think God wouldn't remove somebody from the church? A pastor? Go read Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. He says, I will remove your torch. If you don't get your relationship and your first love back, he said, I'll remove you. That's New Testament. Some will be removed, some will just be moved. Some will be new pieces engineered into new placements. They'll be engineered. Some will be moved into positions that look lower than their present position. How's that going to feel? But see, some people have put themselves in a position God never called them to. I'll tell you this. In America, there's a gift in the body of Christ called exhortation. A gift of exhortation. That means you know that you encourage people and you'll build them up. There's a gift of exhortation. There's many people who have that gift who are calling themselves pastors, but God never called them a pastor. Yep. And they're operating in that role, but that's not what they are. They're supposed to be there helping another pastor operating in that gift. Some will be new pieces engineered into new places. Placement. Some will be moved into positions that look lower than their present position. The key to remember is that God is the builder. Building a church to fulfill his purpose and his will. I imagine that many of you have already witnessed this occurring. Purpose yourself to be fertile. You are a temple, a living temple. You are living stones meant to grow together and not to be dead. It is to be life, show life, shine life in your life. Magnify the power of Jesus, his love and his grace. A living temple. Be fertile. Many of you will join it to the true calling that God has on your life. The dreams that he's given you will come into reality. The gifts he built into you before time began will swell up in you and have to be released. If you are born again, you are all priests and kings of the kingdom. Most of all, you have the king's inheritance. You are his children, his sons and daughters. The highest inheritance and gift is God's love. We are to share that love with everyone in every situation and at every moment in time. We must purpose within ourselves to be fertile soil of love. As our responsibility we must choose to allow love to be the fertilizer of our life a perfect place for the perfect seed, Jesus to take root and produce fruit of himself. This is done in our daily activities. We must not allow self-righteousness to make us hypocrites to the world but to love and share mercy and grace. The life And the mortar of this new church, this new body, is love. We are to be love, show love, shine love. Don't let your light be hidden from anyone. In your life, magnify the power of Jesus, His love and His grace. It's time to finally make up our minds that we will allow God to persuade us in His doctrines. We will not be persuaded by denominations grandma's wishes, a pastor, or your religion. When we open our minds and our spirits to God's will, the power of God will be there to transform the world around you. Things will happen everywhere you go, not just in the church building. It starts with your decision. If we really choose the fullness of God, we will see the full salvation of the Lord. Visit you and your area. Do not let God consume you. <clears throat> do not let God consume you. Do you let God consume you, or do you let man's religion deceive you? The foundation is about to be shaken. Don't be sifted. The religious church, as we have known it now listen, this is 2006. The religious church, as we have known it, is about to be abolished. I would not be surprised, now this is me speaking, but I'm seeking the Lord and praying about this, how, to, how to, the foundation is about to be shaken. Hear this, don't be sifted, which means you can be sifted. Yeah. You can be sifted out. The religious church, as we have known it, is about to be abolished. I would not be surprised if within the next 10 to 20 years, we're 14 years in, the majority of churches open today will have closed their doors. I believe that God is in the process of shaking up his body. Whew, man, that's hitting me, the power of it. So that only the church filled with love will remain. He's told us over and over again how important love is. He's dealt with our hearts on it. He has had it preached to us. He's had it prophesied to us. Now is the time to reap a harvest of the mature church. The mature sons of God, the love matured children of God that are his body, his living stones, hewn from the very quarry of his love. That means if, if we will allow God to shape us and help us, it's like God went into the quarry of himself and said, right here is Barrett. And places it in his body. Right here is Buddy and Serena. And places it in his body. Right here is Miss Nancy. And we're hewn out of his own love. Not all everything the world has told us. Now's the time to reap a harvest of the mature church. The mature sons of God. The love matured children of God that are his body. His living stones. Hewn from the very quarry of his love. A living church. Hewn from the rock, his son, Jesus Christ, a church that is the exact makeup of that original rock, who is love. Every other religious thing will be sifted. Don't be sifted. Make the choice for God only in your life. His kingdom and his love cannot be shaken, they will not be shaken. They will stand the test of time and perform the task appointed to them. God is giving us this word so that we will remove ourselves from the world and fleshly things before he has to. But as we do this, come into line with his will, we will walk straight into victory. The things in our lives that seemed incomplete, the small annoying questions of doubt, The answers that we have been looking for are answered in his love. God wants a mature church. God wants a church mature in his things. He is love. Then he told us that love is the thing that all the other gifts pivot on and draw their power from. Yet in the past, the church has missed it. How do we know? Because love never fails. The church hasn't shown love to unborn children. The church hasn't shown love to morals in our country. The church hasn't shown love to our neighbor and to the unborn again person next door. Praise God. That time to change. The time to change that is here. Now hear this. This is 2006. I want you to see something. You remember what he told me when I got back from Africa? It's. Remember what he told Barrett? It's, time it's all right, hear this, hear this paragraph. Praise God, the time to change that is here. This is a world-changing shift. Mm-hmm. This is a shaking called for by God himself. Now, if you paid attention when we went out to Texarkana and we were Pastor Tracy, yeah. he said these words all week. Yeah. Now, he's not read this. I don't, I don't believe he has. But he said these words, it's time and God is doing the shaking. And he's exactly right. Hear this. This is a world-changing shift. This is a shaking called for by God himself. It's the good news. It is good news to the world. God's time of glory is now. His time of glory is now. The kingdom of God is upon us. It's time for me and you as saints of God to walk in the fullness of love, to walk in God, to walk in Jesus, to walk in the Spirit. It's time, it's time, it's time. time. That was in 2006. Can you see the connection today? Stone will crack as the anointing enters from heaven. I wrote on here, honestly, I don't clearly know what this means yet. But if you know something that relates to it now or in the future, please share. I can't wait to hear it. I think what it means is simply this I think there'll be something monumental that we'll see. I think it'll be probably physical. I don't think it's speaking figuratively, I think it's speaking physically. And I think it'll be a marker. Like it'll be, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if that stupid monument down in Georgia that some people put up. If the world ever comes in, don't let the population go beyond this. There's a bunch of stones set up almost like some weird thing uh, doing basically government population control. What happens if, if the world uh, collapses? How to rebuild it? Dumb. It's, a, it's got it. <clears throat> anyway, you can research it. It wouldn't surprise me if that thing was the thing to uh, crack. That the anointing of God comes into the earth and brings an awakening. Now, part of that awakening is us. We're going to talk about that in the weeks to come. What do we do with this? Okay, we recognize we're not awakened yet. We're waking up, but we're not awakened yet. What do we do? What's our responsibility? Our job is to bring it into being as ambassadors on this earth. Our job is to bring the awakening in, not sit back, but it's time. It wouldn't surprise me that as we pray in that awakening and we bring it in with our hunger and our humility... That the anointing of God come in and something like that thing would just be all shattered. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, amen. That'd be awesome. I'd love I'd love to see that. It's time, it's time, mm-hmm. it's time. This present shaking is a shaking of God. And He's not shaking you. Now you might have felt shaken. But that shows us what pieces we still have in the world. If we're in Christ and he's in us, then we can't be shaken. So the key is so that we won't be shaken is get in him. Stay in love, get in Christ and we won't be shaken. We can walk through with confidence in the greatest shaking that ever was in the history of the planet. And we won't be shaken if we're in him. Many people have been shaken because they haven't been in Him fully. They've been listening to the wrong things. They haven't sought the fire of God. They haven't sought relationship with Him. They haven't been firmly planted on Him. One of the things that I was going to uh, read from one of these scriptures says that, that one of the things that happens is this. Is that when you grow up into the fullness in Ephesians 4, when you grow up into the fullness of Christ, one of the things that happens is you're not blown around by every wind of yeah. doctrine. You remain unshaken. Yeah. Every wind of doctrine's not blowing you around. And if you're in the kingdom of God for a while, you start to see these things go in patterns. They may call it something else, but it's the same deception. One that happened about 10 years ago was a, the, the deception was that we don't have to assemble anymore. I'm the church everywhere I go. I don't have to come and be at church. That's a lie from the devil. Why? Because he knows the assembled church he, the gates of hell can't prevail against. So he, 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 that was a deception that came in. I saw some of the what looked like the strongest Christian people be shaken out of their position because they believed that demonic doctrine. That shows that the church is not awake and not... They're not mature in these things, but it's time for an awakening. And when that awakening comes, it'll take you, it'll grab a hold of you with its glory. It'll tell you to stand up. It'll say, yes, we get up, get awake. We got something to do. We're going to spread the glory of God. Boom. And all of a sudden he'll anoint you. Yeah. It'll wake us up. Yeah. It'll take us from where we're at. It'll be like a, you know, one of those sticks on the farm. Zap! <laughs> and we'll find out. Whoa, I was asleep before then, but I'm not now. Yeah. And we'll feel the power. And it'll be energizing. It'll be life giving. But it's the love of God. We've got to decide. Here's, here's the real key. We've got to decide. Are we going to love on God? Or are we just going to give lip service? Because if we love Him, Jesus said very clearly, if we love him, we'll keep his commandments. We'll do what he tells us to do. If he's Lord, then he's on the throne and I follow his commands. Or I just go live life the way I want to. And that person's going to be shaken and is shaken. And if they're not fully shaken yet, it will continue because it's not going to stand in this time. God's looking for a glorious church. It's time to bring together the body of Christ. In Romans chapter 8, it says this, the earth groans for the sons of God. The earth groans. It's groaning for the church to be the real church full of his power, full of his grace, full of his glory. Why? Because the earth was created for mankind, made in his image and likeness and covered with his glory. The only way it functioned properly is if we walk in that again. It's time. It's time. It's time. Today, how do I, what do we do with that? Where do we go? It starts right here in each one of us individually. As a body, we can say, yes, Lord, we're going to be that church. We're going to be a church on fire for you. But we will never be a church on fire if individually we don't say, I'll do it even when I'm not there on Sunday morning. It'll be lip service. Lord, I need you. I need you. Lord, I've got to have you. I can't do this without you. I need to walk in your love. I need to be like you, think like you, act like you. I've got to spend time with you. I've got to stop making excuses and go after you. All of these things in this world, this vapor of time is wasted. It's wasted if it's not after Christ and Christ alone. If he tells you to go and build a business, go build a business. But if he doesn't, don't. It's wasted if it's not led by God. Lord, we're for you. We're going after you. It starts right here in our hearts. Will you make the commitment to God today, Lord, I won't be sifted. I won't be sifted. I'm going to put on love and I'll never put on anything else. Will you make the commitment today in your life Lord, I'm I'm going after you with everything that I have. Everything I've been doing is unimportant to what you tell me to do. And and you'll give me the fun stuff and the good stuff along the way. That's who you are. You'll give me what I need. But Lord, what's my purpose? What's, what's, What's my real goal here? What's actually going on? Have I been doing it for me? Ask the Lord to show you. Have I been doing it for me? Or have I been doing it for you? How have I been living my life? I'll tell you this, several things will show you. The fruit you produce will show you how you've been living. A calendar will show you, and a checkbook will show you. Those things, because those are the treasures of our life, time and money and the fruit of God. It's either a treasure or it's not. I just ask you, close your eyes right now. I know most everybody in here. I know know almost everybody in here. Even if you haven't gone here, I, I know most everybody in here has accepted Christ. But today is a day. Say, Lord, I'm committing to you. It's time. You know, it's not, it's time, it's time, it's time just for a glorious church. You're a part of that church. It's time for a glorious you in Christ. But that takes committing to him. Just a testimony we have sitting in here today. We got a young man named Colton. He decided in his life that it was time for God. He he began a walk towards God. He comes here on a Sunday night while youth is finishing up he says I need something I don't know all the words but basically Jesus I need you Johnny and Paul pray for him the power of God hits him surges through his body See, he didn't need a church that wasn't walking in power he didn't need a church that the power only flows through the pastor he needed a church with members in it a body that's not even in the fivefold ministry yet maybe they might be leading things but not even separated by God into fivefold ministry that's carrying the power and the fire of God and that's what he found then he comes on Sunday and pastor preaches for him and he shakes all over again why because when the power of God hits a mortal body the mortal body is the weaker thing it's time for the church be the church That means it's time for each of us individually to commit to the Lord. Not to be long and drawn out. But I want to invite you to the altar today. And a personal commitment to God. Lord, I'm not going to be sifted. And I'm not going to be shaken. I'm going to pull out of me anything that's not of you. And I'm going to let you fill me up with the Holy Ghost and fire. It's time for me. It's time. It's time. And a commitment that we will be that church. The Lord says this, If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. Today is a day to not deny him. But to commit to him. Say, Lord, I'm going to go after you. Let me just tell you, you might not know everything that that means. You might not have every action and everything that you may need to change. You might not know everything you need to change this morning. But the Holy Spirit will show you one thing at a time. And as you hand it to Him, your life will become more and more glorious. He's such a great helper. You don't have to know all the details. You just say, Lord, I know you. Hear this, please. I know you. You are absolute love. And I can trust you this morning. If you ask me to do something, it's going to be to my benefit always because you love me. It can't be anything else. So this morning, Lord, I'm telling you, I trust you. I need your help. I can't do this by myself. I'm not prideful. I need you. I trust you. And I'm going after you. So I just ask you right now, don't deny him by sitting still. Come to the altar, make a personal commitment with him, and let's move into this time of God's glory.